for the renaissance that you're doing in this place. We thank you for the new birth, not just a resurrection of the old through revival, but a new birth, new families coming into this place. We thank you for new children, new youth, new families. We thank you for the new people that you're going to bring, Father. We thank you that this church is like a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. We thank you, Father. There's so many people with the answers here. There's so many people who know you, Jesus, in this church. There's so many people who've overcome the world by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And we thank you that you're going to send people from the north, south, the east, and the west. That you're going to send in the harvest and we're going to minister to them, Father. And they'll minister to us. We thank you that your heart is expanding in this region. We thank you that it's moving out into the streets of our city, God. It's not just contained within four walls, but it's moving out. It's moving out. We believe our prayers do that. We believe our worship does that, that it breaks down the walls. Breaks down the walls. We thank you for breaking down denominational walls in this region, God. We thank you for the churches coming together in this region. We thank you for unity. We thank you for revival, renaissance in this place, Jesus. We thank you for a fresh wind. A fresh wind. A fresh wind of your spirit. Amen.
keep going. It's childlike faith, childlike faith. 
tell you all how much I love you. It is such a privilege and an honor to be a part of a fellowship that loves one another. I've heard a lot of complaints about people and places and they're always out there. And you know, I came out here in uh, 98. This church was three weeks old when I came. And I became, I was a mess. I'm going to share a little more about that, but the transitions and the things that God has done in my life in these last few years especially would not be possible without you all. I don't know of anybody that can grow without being a part of a body, not being a part of a perfect body, being a part of a body, you know, and I honor you, I honor you. Because you loved me through, and I'm still here. I'm still going for it. And we should be able to look at each other constantly, constantly. Can I help you? Can I pray for you? And that's what's been going on here. That's what a real body is. That's the church. And this is an awesome church. And I don't care what Satan says or does, and all the people that have been scattered that should be here, they're coming back because we need this army. We need each other. We need each other. We need, I need you. We need each other. So I just wanted to start with that. I'm going to share just a little bit about Mario Murillo ministry here, what David was talking about. And it's, um, I am California born and bred. I was born in Southern California. I was a beach person. I was, you know, all of it until I was 15. And so I have, you know, I have ties there. I love North Carolina, and I don't ever want to move to California. I'm not saying that. <laughs> Just remember that. <laughs> um, when I heard about this ministry with Mario Murillo, um, I was very impressed just to even hear Mario was still going because when I got filled with the Spirit in the 70s, Mario was speaking at a lot of the meetings that I went to, so I thought he was older. I'm old. He's older. Anyway, and um, I don't know if you were able to put the picture up. Okay, if you look at this, um, he had a dream, and in the dream, the Lord spoke to him. He said, I told the Lord I wanted to reach America, and I immediately felt in my spirit, then you must reach California. And if you look, there's a red line going down through California, and basically in his dream, he saw a golden river going through the center, and that's like the heart. Of California is a really long state, and it's the heart. And um, if I'm telling you, if you want to pray for your country, you can go to Mario Murillo Ministries uh, dot is it dot com or dot org? I don't remember. And um, you can look up. It's called Living Proof. Is the name of the tent and. It starts March 10th. I'm going to be there. And what happened, I signed up right away to be an intercessor because I love my country. I'm sold out on America. I, you know, I've been to other nations, but I really want to see America saved. I love my country. And so when I heard about it, I'm like, I'll pray. I'll pray. I can do that. I'm, I don't need a lot of equipment for that. I can pray in tongues, you know, like, Holy Spirit, you pray through me because that's it, right? So I signed up, and I was very excited about it. And I hope you all go look at the website and pray for your nation. Well, I was here when I do Wednesday um, worship, and I was here, and the Lord just spoke, and he said, you go. 
I said, me? He said, yeah, boots on the ground, you go. I said, well, huh, all right. So how should I go? Get a plane ticket? I don't know. He said, get in your car and go, and don't come back till I tell you. It starts on March 10th. I don't know how long it's going to go. We're, we're going to set up a tent at the very top. That's Marysville. And at the bottom is Bakersfield. And it's Living Proof is the ministry that we're working with. And we're just going to go city to city. And part of the goal is to love. An outpouring of love. Feed people. Clothe them. Do what they need. California is in a state of emergency regardless of what you see on the news. I talked with a FEMA worker recently. And he was like, man, they're not showing none of the... It's horrible. People are starving. They're out of jobs. The sanctuary cities, you know, they're, 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 they're doing stuff they ought not to be doing, you know. And so we really do need to pray for our nation. We need to pray. The problem with California is that it's, it's really the stronghold for the media mountain. You know, the Lord, I've, you know, I spent a lot of time with Linda and we talk about, you know, strongholds and prayer, you know, because when you're, you know, you don't battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers in high places. So the Lord had revealed, you know, the strongholds in between Las Vegas and California is the main stronghold in our nation. And so the media mountain is one of the biggest problems we're having right now. You know, you know the seven mountains, you can look at Lancewall now and you can learn more about that, but the media mountain is telling, it's giving us propaganda. There's no truth. Really, it's fake news and I watch it and I go, you know, because you can get it, you can go on the, you know, hear from the president thing, I forget what it's called, but you can get it for yourself or you can go listen to the fake news and see how it's been twisted, you know, by Leviathan and so. Anyway, I'm very excited about going. I'm leaving either Tuesday or Wednesday, and I'm kind of driving out. I'm going to see my daughter on the way. She lives in Arkansas, and I'll rest up, and then I'll, you know, I'll keep going. I'll get there. It's about three and a half days driving, so I'm very excited about it. Um, and the Lord said, you know, take North Carolina with you. Just, you know, and when I even called him and I said, I'm coming, I'm signing on as a volunteer. I'll be an intercessor. I'll wash, I'll clean toilets. I don't care. I'm not picky. You know, I'm, I'm available. That's what I am, and I will do whatever God wants to do, but I'm serious about really praying for this nation and, and going, so I'm um, just really excited about it. All right. I want to share a little bit today about two books that came out in the last couple weeks that I've published, and one is called The Bridal Path, and one is called Micah's Remnant. My journey started originally with this one in uh, 1990, it's like 95-ish. I was so completely disabled that I couldn't work anymore. I was in my second half of my 30s. I was morbidly obese. I was about 350 pounds, and I was crippled in both of my hips um, from birth, but they gave out because of the weight. I was just, I was a mess. And so... I couldn't work anymore, and I loved to work. I was an RN, and I was in administration, and I really enjoyed that. And I got sent home because I couldn't walk. I just couldn't. Doctors wouldn't give me hip replacements until I was 40. I had to be 40 before they would consider it. And so I was pretty much wheelchair-bound and, you know, addicted. I'd always been addicted. I came out of a lot of stuff. And so I went home and said, what do I do? Well, I'd always wanted to write. You know, I would like to be a writer. A lot of people want to be a writer. So one day I'm sitting there and I'm like, the Lord says, why don't you write? I'm like, well, how? I don't know, write a sentence. So I wrote a sentence. And then I wrote another one. <laughs> and then I got a vision and I started writing more. And I wrote this book. This is not the original. The first one killed me. I wrote a book, it was, it's the, it was The Remnant, and it had a lot of stuff in it that didn't belong in it because of the bitterness and the sorrow and the offense. And so when it got published, um, it originally was published in 2003. And I got hurt pretty much by Morningstar. So in 2005, 2006, I wiped the dust of Morningstar off of my offended little feet and I left never to come back to North Carolina again. I was offended. 
along with a lot of other people that left. I was wrong. We're always wrong. The gospel is not about self. It's about the cross. If you're offended, I am so sorry. Get over it. Jesus took it. You know, he got on the cross and he took it. But, you know, it just wasn't enough for me to be a little bit offended. I had to go and get a root of bitterness with my offense. So pretty soon, you know, I wasn't in church anymore. And my addictions took over again. And, you know, I'd gone through a lot to get my hips replaced. You know, it was really hard. It was really hard. But I did get them replaced when I was 40. I lost about 100 pounds to do that. Well, offense, you know, there's only two ways, and one of them is the cross and the other one's wrong. There's just that. There's the cross, and I wasn't on it. (laughs) And so my offense took me down a road that, that became this book. So this book is The Bridal Path, and it's, you know, it's really simple. It's got four prayers in it. If you pray them, you'll die. You will die because it's about the cross. You know, it's just what it is. Well, the Lord started, you know, between these two books. (laughs) Micah's Remnant is a fiction. I love fiction. But it's got a lot of truth in it. And it's got the cross. In fact, the girl gets to go to the, she actually gets to go to hell and get saved by Jesus when he dies. And he rescues her from hell. And the reality of the cross comes to play in the book because that is it. That is the power of God, period. It's the cross. There is no other power. You can have all the gifts in the world. I don't care. It's the cross. You know, the bridal path for me in writing this, you know, it's discovering overcoming life through the cross. You know, and and where I found myself, and it's in this book a little bit, I I try not to share too much. You know, a lot of you know, um, my full name is Lori Kathleen. And I was Lori for the other books. To him who overcomes, I will grant a new name. I said, thank you very much. I'm Kathleen. (laughs) I go by my middle name, and it means pure. Because Lori means victory, and I, I did get some victory, but I wasn't sure about purity. That's a whole nother walk. You know, and he wants us there. He wants us to be that bride that is without spot or wrinkle. You know, so in my walk, um, you know, it just got really hard. Because through roots of bitterness and through offense came in stuff on my family. You know, my daughter was engaged to twice and both of them killed themselves and it killed me the second one especially because the first one you know that was kind of my fault and I figured if I did it right the second one wouldn't do it if I loved enough if you don't have the cross and so when it happened the second time I just died everything in me died I gave up And at the same time that that happened, both my hips, um, well, one of my hip replacements broke. And when it broke, I thought it was a very simple surgery. It wasn't. They had to take it out and leave me without a hip for a while. And I was on OxyContin, and I liked it. So I stayed there because I didn't want to come back. I didn't want to deal with the hell my life had become. And so at the same time that happened, we lost our home. And at the same time that happened, all of this happened within two to three weeks. Um, my, my ex-husband now, we had a mission team to Bangladesh, and they were killed in a car wreck. So I'm in the hospital for months. Didn't even get a visitor. I got a couple visitors. I didn't, you know, I was in a room with another girl who had surgery and she was a Christian and she had cards and flowers from her church and guess what I didn't have? Not a flower and not a card. 
And she looked at me, I never forget, she looked at me and goes, I don't know who you're following, but that looks really sad, because you're in there a month. But it was just the outcome of withdrawing yourself from the fellowship of God, because you don't like them. There's no excuse. Get over being offended. I'm telling you, church, with what's coming, if you're offended, if you don't, you don't think it's your job to pick up the cross, let me tell you, I saw something. I shared it with Dylan earlier. I hope you don't mind if I share this because it hurt me really bad. I was, on, uh, I was watching something on Facebook, and it was a, there was a doctor who was an abortion doctor. And there was a guy that was interviewing this doctor during his break. And the doctor was hissing and spitting and, hey, I love to kill babies and all this. And so he was obviously demon-possessed. And the man who was talking to him was like, don't you know you're going to go to hell for that? And the Lord just, it broke my heart because the man was demon-possessed. Of course the demons are going to go to hell for that. What about the person in there? Where's the church? Really? I call you to be disciples, and here's what you're going to do. You're going to cast out demons, raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out demons. Hello? Cast out demons. So when you go and you see someone demon-possessed, you tell them they're going to hell, and the poor man lost in there is probably going, duh, I'm killing babies. But I'm like, where's the compassion? And where's the equipped church? Get equipped. Because guess what's coming in the door? I'm sorry, guess what's coming in the door? And you're going to get offended. Because <laughs> what's coming in the door is a mess. And if you're still a mess, because you won't pick up your cross and die... I will tell you how hard it's been to get where I'm at today. My leg was so bad off after the second surgery of putting me back together. There was just nothing. There was atrophy. I couldn't walk. I was 260 pounds, 70 pounds. And I was addicted to Oxycontin and alcohol and other stuff in between that. My blood pressure was out the ceiling. I'm 60s. You know, and I had every excuse not to get up. I had every excuse for my disability to own me. Flat out own me. And we can do that. You can just keep making excuses. During this time that I was so disabled, I died. You know, with Oxycontin, as much as I was taking, I was taking Oxycontin, Oxycodone, I don't know, three other ones. 800 pills a month I got up to so I could stay hidden, I don't know, dead, hurt, wounded, blah, blah, blah. And one night, I died. And I'm standing in heaven, and I'm looking next to me, and there's this girlfriend of mine that I had just seen a few weeks before, and I'm looking at her like, what are you doing here? And she's like, what are you doing here? And then the Lord was there looking at me. Now, I didn't hear words, I heard thoughts. And he said, really? This is going to be the outcome of your life? Everything that I've, every prophetic word I've given you that you have just aborted, I don't know, what would you do with it? It's a seed, did you nourish it? Why are you here? And I look at my friend over there and she's like, you know, we're both standing before the Lord, dead. It's over. And I came out of it and I woke up. And so began the very, very long process of getting off of Oxycontin. I had to go a milligram a month. So for two weeks, I went through withdrawals. I was on 40 milligrams. And I got halfway through. I finally got off the Oxycontin and lo and behold, my gallbladder was full of gangrene. Because the pain pills kept the pain away and I didn't know it was dead. Obviously bitterness had overwhelmed me to the point my gallbladder quit working. 
So I had to go through surgery, and the only way through surgery was to go back on Oxycontin. Then I started over again. And then one day, the Lord said, I want you to go back to North Carolina, the place of your bitter, bitter, bitterness. <laughs> and, you know, we didn't have much. My marriage had been on the rocks for years. I mean, we were both drowning, struggling, suffering. You just, you know, at that point, you just hold on and go for the ride. So we came back. We didn't have anything. We ended up in a parking lot. Eric Jones let us park in the parking lot of his church for a year. Lived in a parking lot. You know what you can't do when you live in an RV in a church's parking lot? You can't not go to church on Sunday. <laughs> because it would just flat out be rude. So, I went in. And I cried, and I cried, and I cried. And every stinking time I went in, and I cried, and I cried more. Years of bitterness. And I was at the end of the Oxycontin. I was going through the final withdrawals. I still had alcohol, because that's how I got off the Oxycontin. Once I moved here, I couldn't get off of it without my blood pressure going through the ceiling, so I drank wine to get rid of the side effects. So I thought, well, I'll quit being a drug addict, and I'll be an alcoholic. That's just great. But eventually one day, the Lord looked at me and he said, do you think you still need that wine? I said, I don't know, do I? He said, nope. And I let it go. And so I have slowly walked this, this path, this path. You know, the bridal path is Calvary's path. Because I'll tell you, Jesus is not going to marry someone he doesn't identify with. I mean, really? Now there's guests to the wedding. There's lots of guests to the wedding. And there's bridesmaids, virgins, whatever you want to call them. But there's one bride. And I guarantee you, the king of heaven is going to be equally yoked with his bride. Yeah. Ain't no woman going to marry him for his money or his kingdom. Right? So what you're in it for, I'm sorry, it's going to cost everything. If you want to be the bride... That is everything. Everything means everything. You know? And so that's why I wrote this little book. It's got four prayers. Like I said, they'll kill you if you really mean it. Bridal, you know, both of these books, like my life has really been prophetic all along. When I started writing this book in the 90s, mid-90s, I had a dream. And in the dream, I saw um, Paul King died in my dream. This is mid-90s. Okay, Paul Kane died. I was living in Oregon. I wasn't, I didn't even have, know about North Carolina. In the dream, Paul Kane died, and the skies over North Carolina went upside down. And that was my dream. I just finished this book, and I, because I had to re-edit and do a bunch of stuff, and I, I got up last week, and I said, I have to finish it by Tuesday. I don't know why. I had to finish it by Tuesday. For some reason, everything in me was like, finish it. And I still had like a third of the book to finish redoing the edits that my editor had done. And so I'm, I went to the dentist Tuesday morning, and so I'm in all this pain, and I get home, and I finished it, and I hit send and published it Tuesday night, an hour before Paul Kane died. And I'm in North Carolina, and the skies are upside down. This book is about, it's about Micah's remnant, and it comes from this, I started it because of a scripture that really spoke to me because of where I was. In that day, says the Lord, I will assemble the lame. Mwah. I will gather the outcast and those whom I have afflicted. Me. And I will make the lame a remnant and the outcast a strong nation. So the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from now on and for even forever. And so I was so lame when I started writing this book that I thought, that's a good name. Because <laughs> I was very lame. And so it came out the day Paul Keith died. I mean, Paul Cain died. And I'm like, wow, well, that's, I didn't know that until the next morning. And I'm like, huh, I had that dream. So 
in the dream, I, you know, I do a lot of dream research and a lot of, because I love doing dream interpretation. I've been dreaming forever. I, I, when I first got filled with the Spirit, I started dreaming. And I, I really feel like we have, the last words in the book are kind of interesting because, you know, Paul Cain, Paul Cain represented something very powerful. You know, if you knew anything about his ministry, he was an extreme prophet, and he was probably the last to go, I think. You know, we had Billy Graham, and, like, we're in a new age, seriously. And in the end of the book, you know, the book has angels that have names, and so the angel Adiah thought to himself, hmm, now to get the remnant ready for the powerful days of the age to come. The end. It's the beginning. Everything is upside down. It's the beginning. We've, you know, there's a line of demarcation that's been crossed. And I feel like the death of Paul Cain was a signpost, just like the death of Billy Graham was a signpost. In uh, 2005 and 2006, Kim Clement was here prophesying over Moravian Falls in this church, and it's powerful. It's two days of prophecy. You can look them up on Kim Clement's website. And at the very end of the prophecy that he gives a signpost of when this is going to start. And he says, when Billy Graham dies. He gave it in 2005 or 2006 right in there. If you, get, you should get the word. It's amazing. Guess what just happened? See, we're, we're, at, a, we're at a time. We're at a season. You know, and it is time to be mature. It is time, I'm telling you. Whatever, whatever you can do to get yourself on this path and, and get on the cross and identify with it. You know, when he told me to come back to... I lived in that church parking lot for a year, and then one day he said, I want you to go back to your, you know, morning star. I'm like, really? I heard he died. It killed me. He's like, nope, go back. And it was funny because the first week I was back, they were having an intercession. I met Linda, and... And they had Pastor David come in. They were like, you know, there's people that have been hurt in the past by Morningstar, and we'd like to have a represent, representee for that. And, and Pastor David's going to represent the pastors that may have hurt them. And we had this prayer first week back. I didn't even know him. And he was looking at me saying, will you please forgive me? And I was representing everybody that had been hurt that left. Isn't that interesting? See how God works. You know, he's so faithful. You know, and even the book, like Pastor Shirley, she's got a thank you in it because she, I gave it to her. I said, look, I need to know, is there anything left in it? I went, the Lord said, rewrite it again and get the bitter root out of there completely. And so I gave it to Pastor Shirley and she graciously helped me with it. You know, I'm not saying I have bestsellers. I'm saying these books just represent a part of me and a journey that has been very difficult and I'm very grateful for. I'm sorry that I'm divorced. I was married 35 years, and I apologize to the body of Christ. We couldn't, we just couldn't overcome together. That doesn't mean God's not done. You know, I, I do not have any despise for my ex. I pray God will use both of us, fill both of us, fix both of us. It's not about anything but the cross. And whether our, whatever our failures are, they don't have to stumble us. And I'm thankful I have a church that didn't let that happen to me. I've been embraced. You know, I've been able to overcome a lot of stuff. You know, even walking. That's been the hardest one, honestly. You know, I started walking and... You know, I got a Fitbit, and I cried, cried, cried. I had so much pain. I had fibromyalgia really bad, and I, I just, the atrophy in my leg, because I have a lot of metal. They said I have like 10 pounds, 15 pounds of metal between screws and stuff holding this leg together. I have both my hips replaced, but this one, it killed me. <laughs> and so I started walking, and I was going to go to D.C. to this prayer thing in Washington, D.C., and a couple of weeks before, I started suffering with pain in my leg. And it was just, it was horrible. I, I had to go to the doctor. And they did an x-ray. And they, they called me and they said, you have bone cysts with an S. I said, huh? 
there's so much metal in there, where's the bone? I mean, oh my gosh, you know. And so I look it up and it's like major surgery. And the enemy's like, stop walking. Just stop walking. And I got up in the middle of the night. I had a CT scan scheduled the next Monday and I was supposed to leave for DC on Thursday. And in the middle of the night, early Monday morning before my CAT scan, I woke up in severe, severe pain. I said, I don't care. Devil, I don't care. In fact, I just don't care. I'm going. If I'm crawling, I don't care. I do not care what this says or does. I don't care. So there. And I went in and I got my CT scan. I limped going in and I walked out without any more pain and I was completely healed and they couldn't find anything. And I jog now on all my metal, all my head. I'm doing stuff they said I'd never do. They said, you're disabled permanently. You will never, never do this, that, and the other. I'm telling you, you have to decide. You know what I keep hearing? If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, he shall quicken your mortal body. The word quicken is, is the term for when you first feel a pregnancy and they move and it's called quickening. It's life. It means Zoe. He shall Zoe life, your mortal body. And the choice that we all have is which thinking cap we're going to wear. Am I going to put on and agree with this thinking cap of disability and age? Like, I'm 60 now. This is what you can do. And the Lord's like, you know, you're not even halfway to 120, and that's under the old covenant. What is wrong with you? Get that stinking thinking out. You know, and, I, and you have to come out of agreement. I, can't, I, I do, I get up, I, t- I tell people, I beat my body daily. You should have seen me on the elliptical the other day. They almost had to replace it. I was so mad. Because I you know, I take my stress out in exercise. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get them. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to run. I'm going to run. And I beat my body. Because the Lord told me, he said, you know, your body has cells that like to hold on to unforgiveness. He told me that. I had a really bad fall on my shoulder and, you know, it was, it's, it was like, I, I don't want to talk about it because I don't even want to give it any more glory. <laughs> but it had, it had tormented me, you know, because it caused a lot of issues in my life and there's nothing to fix it. It just didn't heal right. And so I'd had all this pain and the Lord said, well, you know, your shoulder's walking in unforgiveness and it needs the blood of Jesus. I'm like, what does that mean? And I have a dream. And in the dream, I'm sitting around at a table with a bunch of other Christians, and we're all mature Christians. We know everything. Anyway, and we're talking about the blood of Jesus and repentance. You know, this is how you do it. And in the middle of the dream, Jesus shows up right in the middle of the table, and he says, when every cell of your body looks at me, then it will repent. And I wake up. Now, first I saw... um, a vision of like, you know how sunflowers grow in a field and they all face the sun? I saw that, but it was my cells in my body. And I wake up and I'm like, my cells need to repent? He said, yep. So I started praying over my bone, you know, and I researched a little bit because I'm a nurse, I like that stuff. And your bone cells actually change every seven years or something. They, you create new ones and all that. And I'm thinking, so what, the old ones are telling the new ones the offense so they stay offended and broken? I, well, you know what? I started saying enough of that. Repent. And the pain would come. I said, uh, you stop that right now. This is my body. I own you. I own my spirit. I own the soul. And I own my body. And it is not going to tell me anything. If my body wants to tell me I got cancer, if my body wants to tell me I got arthritis, if it wants to tell me it don't feel good, I just go, really? Get over it. You need the blood of Jesus. And I do. I, I mean, the pain will hit me, you know, with this hip or hurt or that. You get up in the morning, I don't feel good, you know. 
Stop it right now. I own you. That's what the Lord told me. He said, I gave you authority over your body. Why are you letting your body dictate to you what it wants to do? That's messed up. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, what's wrong with this picture? How are you broken? You just don't believe it. You know, the economy of heaven is faith. And the, econo the, the currency of earth is exchange. So, what happened at the fall? Faith, exchange. You shall work, and you sh because you work, you will eat. Heaven is vertical, it's faith. Jesus taught that to his people. He took them three days past the last grocery store and said, now feed them. And their economy said, it takes a year's wages, Lord, because we have this economy thing built into us. And he said, good, now you get it. It's not about your economy, it's about mine. Now bring what you have. You know, a few fishies and loaves. That's all we got. Good. Father, we're talking about the economy of heaven now. Multiply it. And he did. And, and he's like, my people keep getting stuck in currency, in exchange. If we just had more tithe, if we just had more... You know, we could build. And he's over here going, I've given you all that you need. You just don't have the right headgear. You don't have faith. Faith is the economy of heaven. Faith is the economy of heaven. And if you're going to be a carnal Christian and you're going to live under the economy of the world, you're going to have this go on and not that. And so you have to make a decision in every area of your life, every area, every day, you have to get up and you have to put on the, the right, put on Christ. You have to bring every thought captive that, that exalts itself against this knowledge of God. It does. It says, well, you can't because. You know, he told me to go to California. It's like, get in your car and go. I'm like, how? <laughs> I don't really have, like, you know, I don't. I, I don't care. I mean, I, I really don't. He had me give away a house once. That was really hard, by the way. I had a lot of money in it, you know, like, really? Ah, you know, he said, no, I'm setting you free. Free, 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 you know? Yeah, it was free, free, free for him. <laughs> you know, it wasn't for me. He said, let it go. Oh, my gosh, best thing I ever did. I'm free. <laughs> I don't have to worry about a house, you know? I'm just saying. You know? He said, just be free to live in my economy. And as long as you're hooked in that economy, you are not free. I love that commercial, you know, TurboTax, free, 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 free. How free is it? It's free. Jesus did it on the cross, and he, he's, he's equipped us. He's equipped us. If the same spirit that raised Christ, how dead was he? Dead as dead could be. If that same spirit lives in you, do you even believe it? And what are you doing with it? I'm testifying. I'm still walking. I'm still walking. In fact, I'm wearing heels. Couldn't do that for years. Because crippled people can't wear heels. I love my heels. I'm bouncing. I tried jogging in them, but that kind of hurts, you know. It's like, you know, you've got to be smart when you're walking and, you know, being healed. Where, where are the limits? You know, I asked the Lord one time, are there any boundaries to all this? And he said, yeah, Enoch. Huh? What? Those are your boundaries. He walked with God and he was no more for God took him. Did he die? I don't know. There's your boundaries. You know, you can just go as far as that and let me know when you get there because I want to follow. <laughs> right? This kingdom... Wow, this amazing, amazing grace.
that saved a wretch like me. And again, and again, and again. I'm sorry, I wished I had a really good testimony of my 40 years filled with the Spirit walk. Most of mine was on the other side. In the wilderness, doing this. I, I just hit 40 years of being Spirit-filled. And the Lord said, are you ready yet? <laughs> to do what? To cross over. You know, where you quit living on manna and you get to eat your promises? Oh, gee, there's an idea. What are your promises? You know, he told me, he said, every prophetic word comes, that comes to you is a promise that you have got to do something with. Amen. Have you ever seen a dandelion? You know what those are? Seeds. They go and they plant and they make more. He said, every prophetic word I've given you is a seed. Are you nourishing it or are you aborting it? How do you nourish it? I think I'd like to write a book. How long did it take? We're not going to go there. Is it possible? We can go there. Thank you, God. All things are possible for those who believe. All things are possible for those who believe. Faith. Faith is the economy that you have to find yourself in or you'll remain in the other side. You can die. You know, the Lord told me one time, this is out there, I'm sorry, I just hear things. I'm like, huh? He said, you know, the only reason you're dying is because you don't discern the body. I'm like, that's a communion scripture. He goes, well, where's my body? He said, you don't discern one another. And it leads to sickness and death. Because you think you're better than somebody, or you don't want to listen to somebody, or you think their trial is something you could easily overcome. You don't discern the body, and you have death in your members. And the last thing that's going to be defeated is death. And it's going to come by a body who discerns one another and loves one another. You know what he loves? His body. If you want to be his bride, guess what you're going to love? No more offense. Sorry. You cannot be offended. I don't care what's done to you. It was already done to Jesus. You know, name it. I don't even want to go there. Go watch The Passion. <laughs> you know, it's the truth. For what's coming in those doors soon to this body, y'all better get ready and you better quit being broken and messed up. You better start getting it right. Because they need you. He needs you. He needs all of us. There's nobody greater that's why I say, I don't care if I want, you know, I could scrub toilets, write books, I don't care. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> it's about being available. Because it's really his spirit. You know, he's going to equip us. One thing we can all do is pray. Who can't? I mean, I come to this prayer thing and I've heard people say, well, you're an intercessor. I'm like, really? What is that? I get around other intercessors, I'm like, what are they doing? Well, you're one. I'm like, I am? <laughs> am I doing it wrong? I don't know how to fit in that. It isn't about that. You know who's the intercessor? Jesus. He's the chief intercessor, and I'm saved. And I'm like, well, if he's an intercessor, I'm an intercessor. That's all I need. I don't need a hat. I hear people, I, well, I don't wear that hat. I'm like, what's wrong with you? He does? Who is not called to pray? Go ahead and raise your hand. I want to talk to you. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> anyway, so that's my story. I don't know if I shared everything I was supposed to share, but that's what the Holy Spirit wanted me to share. And I told Dylan, I said, you come and fix it, Dylan. <laughs> Are you willing? Oh, sure.